Educate for Life on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by EducateForLife.org. This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170. The answer, Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you, what you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. And we are examining all kinds of issues uh, that pertain to freedom of religion, uh, pop culture, uh, the biblical view of reality and the biblical worldview. We're looking at all these different issues and, and trying to figure out what's going on in the world. How do we respond to all kinds of uh, the things that are in the news and uh, in the U.S. and also around the world? So thanks for being here on the show today. Uh, if you don't know, there is a pretty serious case happening right now with uh, in Atlanta uh, that is a very important case regarding religious freedom um, and our First Amendment rights. It's with Fire Chief Kelvin Cochran. Uh, he was named Atlanta's Fire Chief in 2008. In 2009, he was actually asked to become the U.S. Fire Administrator by President Obama, one of the highest honors uh, somebody could uh, receive. And in 2010, uh, Mayor Reed, who was Atlanta's Fire, uh, I'm sorry, the Mayor of Atlanta, asked uh, Calvin Cochran to come back to Atlanta to, to resume as uh, Atlanta's fire chief in 2012. He was named fire chief of the year in 2014. Uh, the city of Atlanta was actually, they attained a class one rating for fire safety uh, because of the efforts uh, of Calvin Cochran, fire chief Calvin Cochran. But strangely enough, um, he was actually fired from his job not shortly after that and ended up uh, now is in litigation. He believes that he has been fired from his position because of his religious faith. And uh, this is a serious, if, if this is really the case, if he's really been fired because of being a Christian, uh, that seems extremely unconstitutional. And yet this is what uh, Kelvin Cochran is um, dealing with today. And, I have on the air with me today a very special guest. His name is Jeremy Tedesco, and he is actually um, part of the council who is uh, litigating for Kelvin Cochran. And uh, Jeremy, I just wanted to say thanks a lot for being on the show here today with us. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, I, you know, I looked a, a little bit at your about your past, and um, you've got some great credentials, and you're doing some amazing things. Um, I, I read uh, you joined the Alliance Defending Freedom, which specifically is defending people who are uh, uh, being, uh, I don't know, facing maybe persecution or discrimination because of their Christian beliefs. You actually argued before the U.S. Supreme Court not too long ago in a case, Reed versus the town of Gilbert. And, um, and so you're seeing all kinds of things popping up all over the place where people are, uh, facing, uh, whether that's being fired, losing their businesses, uh, facing fines or penalties uh, because of their Christian beliefs. And um, I'm just wanted to know, when did you start getting involved or when did this start becoming a concern of yours, these issues like religious freedom? And what's your background that brought you into, um, you know, now 
dealing with Kelvin Cochran's case here? Yeah, you know, for me, it started all the way back in high school. I was was very pro-life in high school. And once I found those convictions and started uh, expressing them at school, I found that a lot of people didn't like my point of view on that. I took a lot of heat and, and frankly lost a lot of people that I thought were friends over uh, our disagreement on that issue. Now, are you talk- I kind of muddled through on how to how to talk about it anyways. I wasn't too too uh, keen on and sure of myself. I just knew what I believed. Now, what part of the country did you grow up uh, in? I was in, in Buffalo, New York. Okay, okay. And then south of there. And when you said this started to become an issue for you, um, is that specifically because of uh, your Christian faith or, or what, what was happening there? Yeah, undoubtedly it was my it was my Christian faith. Uh, you know, I've been raised uh, in the church and uh, you know gone to a lot of different camps and different training things over uh, my teenage years, and just just came to the conviction that abortion was wrong and uh, you know evil and needed to be stopped. So, anyways, those those were, that was the thing that kind of propelled me into it. Um, and then when I got to college. Um, I wound up in the essentially the the one man standing against um, kind of the onslaught of the LGBT agenda on my campus at the time. Mm. And what and where was that? Where was your undergraduate in? It was uh, at Canisius College, a small school in Buffalo, New York, private school. Mm-hmm. And um, I was studying political science and, and history, and was kind of minding my own business when I got in the middle of this uh, huge battle on campus and, and was kind of the one person that was trying to say, wait, stop. There's another side to this issue. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was a very challenging time and God put me in a position where, you know, I, I needed to either stand for my faith or kind of walk away from it or at least keep silent about it. Yeah. He gave me, you know, he, he gave me the grace uh, and the courage and the boldness to, to stand for my faith. And there was a lot of different blowback from it. I mean, it was, uh, it was a, a kind of scary situation at times. Um, even from my own personal safety, uh, can you, the, the venom from the other side. Can you give us um, a, an example of that? What, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, I got people calling my uh, apartment in college, um, threatening me. My roommates would take calls uh, from people threatening, you know, to track me down and beat me up. And, you know, it was just, um, in, in just generally speaking, the, the tenor of, of, of uh, the campus was, was anti-Jeremy. I had professors actually draft a, um, uh, an op-ed, pen an op-ed and printed campus in our campus newspaper, um, attacking me and, you know, saying I was everything that was wrong with, you know, the world as far as it concerns LGBT issues and people like me uh, and our views uh, are the people who are responsible for the violence and various other things and harassment and discrimination that LGBT people experience. So, I mean, it was really unfair, completely untrue, but it was the same thing you see in our culture today. Yeah. Where the forces on the other side, you know, the first thing they want to do is paint you know, the person who's making an objection to their goals as some kind of bigot or somebody who can't be trusted or, you know, at hominem yeah. attacks and, and everything else to try to paint them into a corner and make them seem like somebody who just shouldn't be listened to and should be dismissed. Yeah. So, so you were, you were kind of the, uh, the original God's not dead. Uh, uh, you know, they, they kind of modeled that movie off of some of your experiences, huh? <laughs> well, 
not specifically, but I could certainly relate when I saw the movie. Yeah. You know, and the reality is that's true for a lot of our clients. We, we represent a lot, a lot of clients on on college campuses who who really do experience the God's not dead kind of treatment. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's even worse. Uh, at least he had a chance to air his views in that movie. You know, most of the mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. our clients are just told, shut up. Yeah, and yeah. I have a right. student right now who just... Uh, I messaged me and uh, yesterday and was like, uh, Mr. Conover, because I teach high school students and and she's a graduate, uh, an alumni, and she's in college and um, is actually doing that very thing. Her professor said, come on up to the front of the class and and uh, I've got lots of questions for you. So, uh, boy, this is happening all over the place. Yeah, well, it really is. It's coast to coast and impacts everybody from kids in K through 12 to college to Christians who own businesses, to, you know, it's just, um, you know, there's a, an ever-present hostility, it seems, and one that's increasing uh, towards religious liberty, especially when Christians are trying to exercise their their, their religious freedoms uh, in our country. And so, uh, you know, it's a time for Christians to kind of understand that, count the costs, realize that um, there will be a price of some kind if you decide to stand for your faith, but that's that shouldn't discourage us. Uh, it should encourage us because it's an opportunity to stand for Christ in the gap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, we're going to be talking to Jeremy the rest of this hour, and I hope you'll stay with us. When we come back, we're going to take a closer look at these issues. And, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional uh, passion on both sides, and we don't want to allow the emotion to dominate our thinking. We want to be able to think through this clearly, and we want to find the truth here. What is the best situation we can arrive at in this great country? Um, we've dealt with plenty of issues over the history of this country, and this is another another one of those issues we want to navigate through and uh, come out on the side of freedom, uh, pursuing truth, the ability to have good intellectual uh, discussions on these issues. We don't want to silence anybody. We don't want to be like it is in some countries where you don't have the opportunity at all to voice your opinion. Um, And yet, uh, like uh, Jeremy's saying on some of the college campuses today, it almost feels like uh, some other country that that certainly doesn't represent the freedoms we have come to value here in America. So we'll we'll be right back. Stay with us. Wake up, America. Diets don't work. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and most of us have dutifully dieted our way there. Research indicates the average woman spends 17 years of her life on a diet. Stop dieting. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD. Your body is a divine miracle. Activate the miracle and lose weight permanently with healing foods. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family owned. Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. 
Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org, where you can listen to a recording of this show and previous shows. You can listen to this show tomorrow if you'd like, and uh, lots of good information we're going to be covering. And right now, we're discussing the issue of religious freedom. And we're seeing a lot of conflict right now. What we're seeing here is... um, People who are maybe, for example, there was a photographer in Arizona who would not photograph a a same-sex wedding ceremony, and she ended up being sued by the couple that wanted her to, to photograph the wedding. She went to court. She ended up losing the, uh, the case and was told that, uh, regardless of her sincerely held Christian beliefs, uh, she, she was not allowed to deny service, uh, photography service to a same sex wedding. And uh, so she was actually fined somewhere around six, uh, six or seven thousand dollars and uh, told if you're going to do business here, this is what you got to do. And this is happening all over the place. Uh, there's a, a case right now happening with a florist um, who's dealing with the same situation. A baker recently dealed with the same same situation. Um and was uh, fined $135,000. And now um, our guest today is Jeremy Tedesco, uh, one of the senior legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. And he is currently involved with defending uh, Fire Chief Kelvin Cochran. And um, but before we get on to Kelvin Cochran, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you about the case that you've been uh, involved with at the Supreme Court level, uh, Reed versus Town of Gilbert. Can you give us a little bit of background on what was happening there and where that currently stands? Sure. You know, that case is about a church, a small church in uh, Gilbert, Arizona, who uh, wanted to put up signs inviting people to their church services. And the town of Gilbert's sign code allowed for a lot of different kinds of signs and allowed them to be up for long periods of time, allowed them to be on very large uh, in size and various other things, basically gave them very favorable treatment. But for the church, they got almost no time to put their signs up. They had to put them on really small little signs. Um, You know, and so it was this very obvious unequal treatment between for instance, political signs and various other kinds of signs under the code, homeowners association signs and the church's signs. So we fought a lawsuit back in 2007 uh, challenging the code um, and and its application to the church. And uh, ultimately the case wound its way through the courts uh, through the last eight years and and wound up before the United States Supreme Court. Um, so we argued the case. My boss, David Cortman, argued the case in January of this year, and um, we are now awaiting a decision from the Supreme Court. And the case really boils down to a very simple but important First Amendment principle, and that is that the government can't play favorites when it comes to free speech. You can't say political signs get this highly favorable treatment and homeowners association signs get this maybe lesser but still really good treatment. But church signs we're going to give almost you know, no access whatsoever. That's content discrimination. It's favoring certain speech and speakers over others. And it's something the First Amendment says the government shouldn't be able to do. Now, that that seems really basic to me, Jeremy. And um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking to themselves, I mean, isn't this just common sense? And yet, uh, why are these cases popping up all over the place? Is this just a a lack of um, knowledge regarding those who are advocating these these ideas? Or is this a outright uh, determined, you know, attack against 
Christianity and re- religion, or what? What is this exactly? What that's going on here? Well, I, I, I think it's you know I don't think it's a uh, like attack with malice against Christianity, but I think the case in in Gilbert is is part of the broader you know narrative about the the um, you know the, I don't necessarily want to say disdain, but the lack of respect. Um, the, the, the certain, you know, knockdown off the top pedestal that religious freedom has suffered culturally. Mm. And so we see codes like the code in Gilbert, and it really shouldn't surprise us that churches are, are singled out for less favorable treatment than other sites. You know, backtrack 40, 50 years ago, that would have seemed unthinkable. You know, religious speech and, and, and churches especially were cherished as great contributors to the community, and religious freedom should be respected and protected for all. Um, but we're not there culturally anymore. Uh, you know, we see this in the Indiana situation with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. You know, Mike Pence and the legislature there passes a great law to protect religious freedom. Um, and then the forces on the other side come out and say, oh, it's a license to discriminate. You know, they managed to get this really terrible uh, amendment to the law passed within just a few days, really stripped the religious freedom away from a whole bunch of people that could have benefited from the law. And those things are happening, and we see those kinds of things happening all over the country, um, and, you know, and, and they're typically uh, targeted at religious freedom, at limiting religious freedom. You hear people in uh, Obama administration talking about religious worship, and they talk about religious worship rather than religious freedom or religious liberty intentionally, because they're trying to communicate what they believe is that religious freedom is something that you practice in the four corners of your church or in the four within the four walls of your home. Yeah, it's becoming a, bring out a private issue to your public life. Yeah, a private issue versus a, a public issue, whereas the First Amendment guarantees um, religious freedom in the sense that, uh, you know, wherever we're at, we can in public, we can be religious. We don't have to uh, restrain our our religious uh, views and our Christian viewpoints or uh, to our home or whatever. We don't have to leave our Christianity at the door when we enter the, the workplace or whatever the case might be. Correct. Now, uh, I mean, the First Amendment protects free exercise. That's what it says, free exercise of religion. The exercise of religion is, is, is acting on your religion, is, is, is conduct, you know, that flows from your religious convictions. And, you know, the society is, is very happy to accept, um, you know, many other people's uh, actions and conduct and, uh, you know, the working out of their non-religious beliefs in everyday life. And why should religious people be able to do the same thing? In fact, they can. And the First Amendment specifically says they can. Yeah. Otherwise, we're no better off than a country, uh, you know, one of the Middle Eastern countries like maybe uh, Turkey or, or somewhere where uh, you're told, yes, you're you're fine to be a Christian. Just don't talk about it in public. Uh, don't don't talk about Jesus anywhere. And, uh, you know, it seems like we're moving in a direction where we're living under a particular worldview, which is a secularist worldview or kind of an agnostic worldview that says the the public religion we're going to embrace here in America is, quote, no religion, which is really a, kind of a secularist religion. And uh, everybody else has just got to keep quiet and stay indoors. Is that kind of a general attitude? <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think that sums it up. And I think that's why we see a lot of these things. Uh, happening in an increasing, you know, basis. And so we're going to continue to have these battles in, you know, my law firm, Alliance Defending Freedom. That's what we exist to, to, to protect and proactively 
uh, you know, per, uh, defend religious freedom. Yeah. And what's your website, um, Jeremy? Yeah, it's AllianceDefendingFreedom.org. It's just the name of our organization, AllianceDefendingFreedomPlus.org at the end. And, and if any of our listeners want to get involved in in uh, supporting what you're doing, um, because you you're literally uh, litigating cases all over the country, and I've even seen um, some news reports that you're actually getting involved in other countries now too. Absolutely, yeah. They can learn a whole ton about what we do uh, from our website. Learn how to engage with us. How to uh, uh, you know give financially to our work. And uh, you're right. We are we have an international division now. Um, that works overseas in a lot of different countries. And, and that, of course, is a critical battle as well. Yeah. Um, because we see a lot of legal principles. Unfortunately, we see a lot of legal principles from overseas being imported into our you know, law. Judges citing um, opinions from other countries, which they shouldn't be doing because we have our own separate constitution. But, yeah. you know. Because of that and other reasons, we want to be active in the battle across the across the world, not just in our country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my uh, my guest today, uh, if you're just tuning in, is uh, Jeremy Tedesco, who is a senior legal counsel with the Alliance Defending Freedom, um, argued before the U.S. Supreme Court, is uh, doing all kinds of good things to uphold the freedom of uh, people who are religious and um all over our country to have that freedom not to be persecuted or discriminated against because they are religious. And when we come back, we're going to start discussing Kelvin Cochran, a uh, uh, very highly decorated fire chief in Atlanta who was specifically let go, fired by the mayor because he is a Christian and because he ha- he holds particular Christian beliefs, not because of anything he did wrong, but simply because of what he believes and how he thinks. And so uh, stay with us. We'll be right back and you'll find out more ways to get involved and make a difference in uh, this wonderful uh, place we call the USA. Wake up, America. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and it's not your fault. And the guilt, frustration, and pain. Stop dieting, starving, and depriving yourself. Free yourself from the bondage of feeling trapped in your body. Forgive yourself. Achieve permanent weight loss with healing foods. You can love food again. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD. Your body is a divine miracle. Learn how to activate the miracle. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We are on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. Love to have you become a regular listener and tune in with us. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org, where you can listen to a recording of this show or past past shows. We're also on iTunes. Uh, we podcast all the shows, so um, feel free to look up uh, previous shows. There's all kinds of fantastic guests that we have on the shows. And our guest today is Jeremy Tedesco with the Alliance Defending Freedom, Senior Legal Counsel. And currently, um, he's involved with a fire chief uh, in Atlanta who has been let go because of his Christian faith. And specifically, 
He wrote a book, a devotion, a men's devotion, and uh, it ended up getting into the hands of some people who weren't friendly to Christianity. And uh, ultimately, the mayor, uh, after begging him to come and be the fire chief of Atlanta, uh, ultimately asked, uh, fired him. And so uh, currently... Uh, Jeremy and the rest of his uh, firm and the Alliance Defending Freedom are helping Kelvin uh, deal with this in the courts. And so um, can you give us some more details and background on this case? What, what exactly happened here, Jeremy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, part of the thing I think is uh, what you mentioned is important to know about Kelvin Cochran is, is his background. He grew up uh, at the absolute depths of poverty and in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, without a dad for a good deal of his, his young life. At five years old, he saw firefighters put out a fire uh, in, the, in the, the, the his next-door neighbor's house. And in that point, his dream to become a firefighter you know, became uh, alive in his in his heart. And so, you know, he, he pursued that dream. Um, with God's, uh, you know, grace, he, he achieved uh, the highest possible position in the fire service in the United States, when you mentioned they became the U.S. fire administrator uh, when President Obama nominated and the Senate confirmed him to that position in 2009. Um, Before then, he had been a a fire chief in Shreveport, then the fire chief in Atlanta. Then he went to the federal government. Then he came back to Atlanta, like you said, because the um, mayor begged him to come back. He was so essential to their effective service there. In 2012, he was... Uh, he won the Fire Chief of the Year Award, um, which is given by Fire uh, Fire Chief Magazine and the uh, an International Association of Firefighters. And so he is one of the most credentialed, probably the most credentialed firefighter of our day. <laughs> but he wasn't good enough for Atlanta in the end. Yeah, that's incredible uh, because of his Christian beliefs. And he he wrote a book. He he was you know in his in his church life he he was active in men's ministry and he. He was inspired through his own uh, studies and the spirit kind of leading him to uh, do some word studies on various aspects of the scripture, and it, it eventually turned into a book. He he self he wrote the book on his own time. He self published it, um, and he had actually uh, given it a copy to the mayor uh, in January of 2014. He had given a copy to a few other people and friends in the fire service in Atlanta. No problem whatsoever. Fast forward 11 months, somebody gets their hands on the book, um, doesn't like what Chief Cochran has to say about sexual morality and marriage. He expressed his Christian-based views that sexual acts outside of marriage between a man and a woman are immoral and that men should flee from those. Mm-hmm. Very consistent with Scripture. Yeah. And um, the comp- a complaint was made to uh, a particular member of the Atlanta City Council, who's an openly gay gentleman, um, and that gentleman apparently, uh, you know, put off the alarms, and within just a few days after that occurred, the chief was suspended without pay for 30 days, um, and then ultimately fired. During the suspension, it's good to know that the the city investigated the chief, because their, you know, their, their theory was... Well, somebody who believes these things certainly has discriminated against people, especially LGBT firefighters. Yeah. Um, and they did that investigation, and they found absolutely no evidence that he had mistreated or discriminated against anyone, including lesbian or gay firefighters, but they still fired him. Um, and that goes to show you that the objection here 
was to what he said and what he believes. The mayor was very clear about this when he suspended him. He came out in the media and said, I found the views expressed in his book, you know, to be, I, I heavily disapprove of those views and I, I disagree with them strongly. And so he was obviously, um, you know, targeted the chief because of what he believed. Uh, yeah. And the chief was ultimately fired because of that. Now, uh, th- this is uh, amazing to me. And, and uh, again, I, I think for a lot of our listeners too, it's just, it seems, um, almost unbelievable it, it's it's like a story you would read in in the history books or you know from uh, another country or something and yet here we are uh in in our country that's supposed to be free we have uh, you know freedom of religion freedom of expression freedom of the press uh freedom of association all these uh incredible freedoms and yet uh here's a guy who has an impeccable record uh literally investigated and found nothing at all giving any kind of discrimination and yet uh, they still fire him. And I'm, uh, I look at this and I'm just thinking to myself, so here, here, here they are, they're about to make this decision that they're going to fire him and they're, they're going, okay, we're going to fire him because of what he thinks. What, what grounds do they have to actually think that they can win the court case? It just uh, seems like a totally losing battle that they're, they're trying to fight here. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I certainly think you're right. You know, I think one thing that people should, should think about, and I think it's sobering, is if somebody like Chief Cochran is not safe, if he can get fired for, for his beliefs, then really no one's safe. Because, you know, and that's just not for Christians who hold the same beliefs he does. Because the government, you know, the, 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 the prevailing opinion in society ebbs and flows. Right now, you know, maybe we're, you know, on the, the LGBT bandwagon, but you know, it could be some other set of beliefs um, 10 years from now or five years from now, even. And it, you know, and so do we really want as a, as a society, regardless of what the chief believes, do we really want the government to be able to fire you because of what you believe, because you put it down on paper and, and, and self publish it um, on your own time. I mean, that's something we certainly should not want in our country. So, you know, I agree with you. Obviously, we filed the case. I, I think this is a clear violation of his First Amendment rights to free speech and free exercise of religion, amongst some other rights as well. You know, the city essentially says, well, he, you know, you violated our rules and he was, you know, lacked judgment and was a poor leader, which is hard to you know, really believe when he's, the mayor had to go beg him to come back to Atlanta you know, the chief uh, operated the, the fire department in Atlanta at the highest possible levels. He, he had great accolades. Yeah, I mean, he's um, U- he was the U.S. fire administrator. How are you going to tell him he was, he didn't do a good job or lack judgment? I mean, Obama selected him as the fire administrator. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know. And their main argument essentially is we have this rule that says if you, uh, if you um, are employed outside of the fire department, um, you have to get approval before you can accept that employment. Well, this was, you know, first of all, the rule doesn't even apply to him because he's, he, he self wrote and self published a book. Yeah. It's not an employment issue, but you know, on top of that, there's first amendment implications. If the, if the city is saying, and they have essentially come out and said, if you write something and you, you know, put it out in the public domain and you potentially get money from it, you got to get approval from us beforehand. Well, you can't do that. That's called a prior restraint. The government, you can't, you can't be put in a position of having to ask the government if you can engage in your First Amendment rights. Yeah. Um, 
And so that kind of prior approval process isn't going to work for someone like this anyway. So they don't have a policy that applies to him uh, in the way they say. But even if they did, it would violate his his rights and the rights of every other employee in the city as well. Absolutely. Uh, if they actually did have that kind of a policy. Well, so, you know, I, I, I think the, you know, the thing is, we, we got to see how the case plays out. We, we just recently filed it and it's just underway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a long way to go, but certainly would appreciate people's prayers as we litigate this case. I think it is of critical importance. Absolutely. Well, I'm with Jeremy Tedesco, AllianceDefendingFreedom.org for more information. We'll be right back. Wake up, America. Diets don't work. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and most of us have dutifully dieted our way there. Research indicates the average woman spends 17 years of her life on a diet. Stop dieting. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD. Your body is a divine miracle. Activate the miracle and lose weight permanently with healing foods. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Take your first steps toward pain-free feet. With just one call, Dr. Roy Phillips will take time with you whether you need top-quality orthotics, relief from ingrown or infected nails, fasciitis, bursitis, or surgical solutions. If you've been told that you need surgery, call Dr. Roy Phillips, 858-272-1091. Learn more online at drphillipspodiatrist.com, 858-272-1091. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. And if you'd like to listen to a recording of this show uh, tomorrow or any time at all, uh, my website is educateforlife.org. Also on my website, there's all kinds of classes you can take that pertain to issues like this. Uh, I have a class called Blessed is the Nation Whose God is the Lord. It's an apologetic defense. It's an argument that the nation that upholds the biblical worldview will actually reap benefits uh, from that that um, upholding that, that particular worldview. Um, every... Every person and every country has a philosophical foundation, and that philosophical foundation affects the laws that are put out in that particular country, and we're no different than that. And uh, my argument and the the argument of many uh, of those people who hold, hold the views I do is that our country has reaped tremendous blessings because it has held up the biblical worldview and uh, the the Judeo-Christian uh, worldview. So my guest today is Jeremy T- Tedesco, and... We are discussing religious freedom, and what's happening is we're seeing Christians fired from their jobs for holding um, Christian perspectives. Now, not doing anything wrong necessarily, but just holding a Christian perspective, trying to abide by their conscience. And um, Jeremy, you were you were talking to me uh, off the air about some ministers that uh, were potentially threatened with fines and imprisonment simply because they would not conduct a same-sex wedding ceremony, like a pastor wouldn't do, do that. Can you um, share with our audience what you were telling me? Sure, yeah. That happened in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, and the case is still ongoing. Uh, and and they, they weren't potentially threatened. They were threatened. The city, um, essentially what happened was the, 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 the federal district court in Idaho struck down Idaho's marriage laws and said that Idaho had to recognize same-sex marriages back in May of 2014. As soon as that happened, the state appealed and, and the, the decision was stayed pending the appeal. But the city came out and started saying publicly that any wedding chapels and, and people who perform wedding-related services in the city are going to have to provide those services to same-sex marriage 
uh, and same-sex wedding ceremonies should same-sex marriage be legalized. And they specifically talked about our client, the Hitching Post, uh, which is run by the Reverends Don and Lynn Knapp, as an example. Well, our clients heard that in the news, called the city a couple times and confirmed with them, are you, are you saying that we could be in violation of a local law that prohibits sexual orientation discrimination um, if we decline to do a same-sex wedding ceremony, even though we're ministers? And the city said yes, and our clients said, and we could be subject to all the penalties, including jail time and criminal fines. The city said yes. So they were, our clients were terrified. Uh, my client, Don Knapp, uh, he couldn't sleep at night for weeks at a time. So anyways, we, we ended up, once marriage became legalized in Idaho, the Ninth Circuit said same-sex marriage has to be legal in Idaho. Um, our clients received a request at their uh, wedding facility um, for a same-sex ceremony. They declined that request, which put them in immediate risk of being prosecuted under the law. And we filed a lawsuit same day um, and a request for a temporary restraining order uh, prohibiting the city from enforcing the law against our clients. Uh, and the city woke up pretty quick after this hue and a cry came out from the public. Um, and they came out uh, several days after the lawsuit and said, we're not going to prosecute these people. Um, but the problem is their ordinance still isn't completely unclear as to who it applies to. Yeah. Um, and we, we are asking the city and have been asking them uh, to make it clear that even these for-profit businesses, because our clients in that case run a for-profit business, um, for-profit businesses that are running according to the religious beliefs of their owner um, are exempt from these kind of laws. And um, they're being, they've been unwilling to do that. So we're continuing to litigate the case. Okay. Now, I know um, a lot of people have this question. The question is, okay, so you've got, a, you've got a baker and he bakes cakes and he doesn't want to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding ceremony. This is, this is not theoretical. Uh, as you know, uh, your uh, ADF was involved in this. Um, and they say, we don't want to ba- bake this cake for the same-sex couple. So... Some people are saying, well, that's not really right, because even though you disagree with their views, the the reality is, is that uh, they deserve to be served, too. If they go to a burger joint, it's not like you can say, hey, we don't agree with same-sex marriage ceremonies, therefore, we're not going to uh, participate in giving you burgers, you know, or something like this. So for a lot of people, they're thinking... Um, you know, what's the big deal? Bake the cake. Uh, just because you don't agree with their viewpoints doesn't mean you can't bake a cake for them. How would you how would you respond to them? And constitutionally, uh, yeah. you, you know, what do we do here? Yeah, I mean, there's several different responses. First of all, it's not sexual orientation discrimination to do what our clients in those circumstances are doing. So the law says no sexual orientation discrimination. Well, that means you can't bar, um, you know, certain people from being able to conduct business with you. So our clients in those cases aren't saying, I won't serve homosexuals. In fact, in a lot of these cases, like our florist case in Washington, um, the florist served the very person that they told, I can't do your same-sex wedding ceremony. I can't do the flowers for those. But he had, she had served that same client for the past nine years, creating all these different kind of floral designs and creations for him. And so she clearly serves homosexual clients, even the very same homosexual client who she ultimately declined to do a same-sex ceremony for. So, you know, they're not objecting to doing the, 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 the service on the basis of the person's sexual orientation. They're objecting to the event and being put in a position of having to use their God-given talents and skills in, art- in artistry to celebrate something that violates their religious beliefs. And that's an important distinction. 
but the, the, there's also an, important First Amendment protections um, that protect artists in these kind of professions. They protect speech. They protect the free exercise of religion. And so um, what's really going on in these situations is those people are trying to use the law to compel Christians to use their artistic talents, their time, their energy, to create expressions celebrating same-sex unions, unions that they don't want to create. And um, it's the same with the photographers. It's the same with uh, print shop owners. I mean, uh, they all have these, this First Amendment right to be free from compelled speech, free from being compelled to express something that violates their convictions. That's a right, by the way, that everyone enjoys. So you put yourself in the position of a gay photographer mm. who doesn't want to uh, do the promotional photography at a Westboro Baptist Church rally that happens to be occurring in their state. The Westboro Baptist Church calls up the gay photographer and says, we want you there to, you know, film our, you know, kind of nasty rally with speech that's going to be deeply offensive to you. Mm. That gay photographer has every right, and I would defend their right vehemently to, to object and say no. And just like the Westboro Baptist Church can't compel that person to create that message against their will in violation of their beliefs, uh, the same holds true for the Christians that are involved in these kinds of cases right now. Okay, so that's that's a very good clarification. So where we're drawing the line here is coercing somebody to violate essentially um, their their conscience uh, in asking them to serve in a capacity that they are not comfortable serving in. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you have to understand, too, that businesses, I mean, they decline to do business all the time. Um, so the other side acts like, you know, once you open a business, you have to serve every single person that comes through the door. That's simply not true. Um, business owners, and especially people in the creative professions, which all these people are, um, they commonly have to say no uh, and do say no to various different things. And, and for a lot of our clients, um, in, in fact, for all of our clients uh, in these kinds of situations, it's not like their religious beliefs only apply to this one little part of their business. It impacts their entire business how they run their business. And, and, and for, for instance, like um, our print shop owner in Kentucky, who was, who was brought to court because he declined to, to print uh, promotional T-shirts for a gay pride rally, um, he declined to do plenty of other different kinds of things, whether it was uh, shirts with vulgarity um, or, or profanity, or uh, shirts that had you know scantily clad women or, yeah, or, or yeah. indecent things. So this is something you know, he reserves the right to object to, to, to participating in a lot of different kinds of things and filling a lot of different kinds of orders on the basis of, re- of, his, of his religious beliefs. Um, and, and that's an important thing to understand. It's not like this is a one trick pony where I only object to you know uh, yeah same sex to marriage related yeah, yeah. It's, okay it's across the board and I reserve the right because. I run my business according to my religious belief. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, uh, I said before our last um, short break, I said that uh, we were on our last segment, and I was wrong. Uh, we have one more to go, so um, you're in luck. Uh, we get to spend uh, uh, another 10 minutes here with Jeremy Tedesco of the Alliance Defending Freedom uh, just to pick his brain and get a better grip on these issues that are uh, hugely significant and are going to affect uh, the future of our country and the freedoms that we hold dear. So we will be right back with one more segment. 
Wake up, America. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and it's not your fault. End the guilt, frustration, and pain. Stop dieting, starving, and depriving yourself. Free yourself from the bondage of feeling trapped in your body. Forgive yourself. Achieve permanent weight loss with healing foods. You can love food again. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD. Your body is a divine miracle. Learn how to activate the miracle. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. We're on our last uh, segment here with Jeremy Tedesco of the Alliance Defending Freedom. His website is alliancedefendingfreedom.org. I encourage you to go check it out, to uh, look into what they're doing. Uh, Everybody should become uh, very aware of the efforts that his uh, organization is uh, attempting to handle uh, the the consequences are gigantic, and uh, we're going to see this ongoing culture war uh, happen here. And we really need to get a grip on this information, uh, especially anybody who values their freedom, their religious freedom, their decision to abide by their conscience. I very much encourage you to check out their website, AllianceDefendingFreedom.org. Uh, my website is EducateForLife.org. You can get a recording of this message if you'd like to. Um, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you now um, about when did we start going wrong as a country? I mean, it's not like this has been the case for hundreds and hundreds of years that we're dealing with these issues of uh, people can't practice their Christianity or run their businesses how they want to run them. Um, when did things start going wrong? And when did people start taking this phrase separation of church and state and saying when you when you become a public employee, like they told Calvin Cochran, when you become a pu- public employee, you got to leave your religious beliefs at the door if they don't uh, if they don't. If they're not the same as the city's beliefs, then leave them at the door. Uh, where do we start going wrong here in regards to that? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is tied to what you're talking about, the whole concept of separation of church and state, which, of course, isn't even in our Constitution, um, which came into the law in 1947 when the Supreme Court decided Everson versus Board of Education. In a, in a unanimous decision, which was actually... Um, you know, filled with historical inaccuracies. Many historians have showed shown that now over the years. Uh, the Supreme Court basically said, as far as we're concerned, the separation of church and state is what the Establishment Clause means, um, and that's a that's a high and impregnable wall, and it needs to be protected. And you know, essentially, uh, you know, from that position forward, it's kind of a watershed moment in the law, but I think also culturally where this idea of a separationist mindset kind of creeped into all aspects of our life. You see it everywhere. You know, it's um, public schools can routinely shut down uh, student clubs or student religious literature distribution in, 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 you know, in school hallways because of this mistaken belief that it violates the Establishment Clause, this separation idea. Um, you see... And for those of our audience who don't know, the Establishment Clause is in the First Amendment, where the, the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. religion. That's the Establishment Clause. And, and Jeremy, when it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, it's specifically saying the federal government shall not do that. And in, sure. ni- in 1947, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they actually changed Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion to the state shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Uh, is that correct, what I'm saying there? That is correct. What they did, you know, the Establishment Clause, from the, from the founder's standpoint, the Establishment Clause was in place to ensure that the federal government 
respected each individual state's approach to religious freedom and religious matters. Um, they just didn't want Congress intermeddling and the, and the federal government ultimately intermeddling in how the state dealt with those issues. We're just giving the state's freedom to do that. Well, then in 1947, not only did they put separation of church and state, um, you know, as, as the essential meaning of the Establishment Clause, but they said that prohibition, um, the, the Establishment Clause prohibition now applies to the states as well, which which opened up you know, uh, just a, a, a huge array of cases that could be taken before the Supreme Court that never could be before. Because now every state, every local school district, every local government actions could be reviewed by the Supreme Court for compliance with this idea of strict separation between church and state. So, so we became, you know, that's essentially when we became kind of a, almost a secularized nation. It became uh, freedom from religion instead of freedom of religion because of that 1947 case. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think that you can certainly draw a line to that point in history. And then, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing, but it was a progression in the law and in our culture um, to where that became kind of an accepted thing. You see, it was the Church with the Johnson Amendment passed in 1954 um, that said churches can't speak about politics from the pulpit without risking losing their tax-exempt status. Well, that's a perfect example of, you know, separation between church and state. The church shouldn't impact politics and has no right to even say something about it. And if they do, we're going to take punitive action against them as the state. Um, you know, and that's been used as a tool ever since then to silence churches and to remove them from the public debate on these kind of critical, important issues. And then that mentality infecting our culture. Yeah. And then what happens over time is that uh, even people that would be involved, like pastors that would be involved in political issues um, because they're so scared of it. And because this myth has been perpetuated all over the place, it's like one of those bad emails that just keeps getting forwarded. Uh, The the pastors are, are thinking that they can't do things that they actually can do. Right. Right. And at ADF, we have a whole project called pulpit, pulpit freedom. Uh, the Pulp and Freedom Project that that is dedicated to educating pastors about what they can and can't do, and really aimed at taking down that entire nefarious restriction on the right of pastors to engage on these issues. Um, But, you know, you see it across the board. I really think that whole separation mindset is something that that our culture essentially has accepted, too. I mean, you talk to somebody, you know, and ask them, do you think the business owner should be able to, you know, run their business according to their religious beliefs? Well, no. You know, I don't think they, that has any relevance. If they enter commerce, then they, re- they leave their religious beliefs at the door. Yeah, business. yeah, and that's that's There's crazy. A lot of people that believe that. Yeah, yeah, and that like. yeah, that's driving me crazy. I, I just uh, seeing this everywhere and how people just have a complete lack of understanding. And it it really seems like they don't they don't see the unintended consequences of that uh, this idea uh, and how it's going to impact their own lives. As like you were saying before, um, it's going to affect the well, it's going to affect the, the, the gay person who decides I don't want to participate in doing photography for a, uh, you know, for an event that's uh, anti-homosexual or something like that, right? Uh, right? Yeah, I mean, they should have the right to do that. Um, you know, you, you want the, you know, the most obvious hypocrisy of all is these major corporations, Apple and Walmart and all these big CEOs with all their you know, power and their money. They come out and say... You know, yeah, these religious business owners, these small business owners, which is who we're really talking about here, um, you know, they they can't, they don't have the right to run their business according to their religious beliefs. 
Um, but we, we're going to exercise our First Amendment rights to say that. You know, we're going to come out and advocate till, you know, and, and threaten the states and, until they do what we want them to do and take away people's First Amendment rights. Yeah. Right, the free exercise of religion and the way they run their business. But they, they don't have any problem at all exercising their rights and yeah. the way they run their business. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it's just you know, appalling to me to watch all these things occur. Yeah, they're uh, the asking. Is we should all be on an even playing field and be able to, uh, you know, exercise our, our freedoms in, you know, the areas of life that we're, we're engaged. Yeah, so they're, asking for, they're asking for tolerance, but not giving the tolerance is what's happening. They're, they're saying, hey, be tolerant of everybody, but, but we're not going to be tolerant of you. Uh, tolerant for those who agree with us. Yeah, very backwards uh, kind of a, a thing. It's no logic. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, I just want to thank you very much, Jeremy, for being on the show this evening. I, I applaud what you're doing and um, we'll be praying for you. And uh, I love uh, your, your ministry and organization. And uh, I talk about it whenever I get a chance. So uh, thank you very much for being on the show tonight. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy's website is alliancedefendingfreedom.org. Uh, go and check it out. You can learn a ton of information. You can stay up to date on cases that they're currently litigating. They put the legal docs right up there on the site. You can actually read them and uh, check them out. And you know what? Uh, you, you, lose, you, you use your rights or you lose your rights, and that's really how it is. So for all of you out there who, who value freedom, um, I encourage you, get involved. Don't just let this be a show that just goes by the wayside and, and you move on with life. Uh, get involved and make a difference. Um, God bless you. Have a fantastic evening. I'll hopefully be with you next week, 4 to 5 p.m. every Sunday, educateforlife.org. God bless you. Bye-bye. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170. The answer. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more. Educate for Life on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by educateforlife.org.